What is going on, everybody, and welcome back to the show with me, Connor Warman. I've got a great show for you guys today. I'm really excited to dive into it. Super cool story. Great conversation. But first, I just wanted to remind you guys that you can go find us on Instagram, Up Before You Won, Facebook, Up Before You Won, and now Twitter, Up Before You Won. So go check us out on that. Give us a like. You can stay up to date with all our latest content, what we're doing, the guests we're having on the show, other things we're doing. we got some really cool stuff coming up, so I'm excited for you guys to go check that out. Also, please go like us on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and a review if you have been a long-time listener of the show. I really appreciate the feedback, good or bad. Thank you for that. And you can also find us on Spotify or basically wherever else that you get your podcasts. Okay, my guest today is Joe DeGain. Joe is a former collegiate wrestler who wrestled at the University of Michigan, where he was named captain of the team and was an NCAA qualifier in 2001. Joe has been a CrossFit coach for 12 years now and has been the owner of 810 CrossFit since 2010. He has been a member of the CrossFit HQ seminar staff since 2007 and is a level 4 certified CrossFit coach. The story starts with Joe talking about his most recent family vacation, where he took his family on a hike across an entire island in the middle of Lake Superior. As always, guys, I truly hope that you enjoy this conversation as much as I did, and I hope that you can take something from this episode and apply it to your daily life. Now, without further ado, let's get on with the show. I love it, and I love the title. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> thanks, thanks. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah that kind of came naturally. It's something I always like. Had liked getting up early, and so someone was like, "Why don't you call it up before you?" I was like, "Oh, that's a good idea." Yeah. Um, cool. Well, I mean, you know, almost every every like book or you read or tip you get from somebody who's successful, one of their one of the things they attribute it to is always getting up before other people do. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. All right, Joe. So I kind of wanted to I wanted to start by something you started telling me about when you were at my L two, which was in August. Um, you started talking about this trip you took with your family where you hiked across some island or something. Can you kind of take oh, me yeah, through that sure. and uh, wh- like why you decided to do that and how that was? Well, uh, you know, in the uh, <laughs> it definitely that that was a heck of a trip, and uh, and I think it's a trip that my family will uh, will remember forever. <laughs> and what um, we we hiked about like forty five or fifty miles across Isle Royale, which is an island in the um in lake superior um, a little bit closer to canada than it is to uh to, to michigan and uh we had to normally you can get there by ferry or by seaplane but right now because of the pandemic the only way to get there was by seaplane which made it even just a little bit more novel to yeah, have to yeah. fly <laughs> seaplane to get out there and um and we you know i mean we were kind of thinking you know quarantine and what you know what could we do what kind of a family vacation could we do and I've always loved backpacking um, ever since I was in college. So we went and did this, uh, this, this trail. I think it's called the Greenstone Ridge Trail of Isle Royale. And basically, we got dropped off by seaplane on the west side of the island. Um, and we had like five, maybe six days to get to, the, to go 45 miles to the east side of the island. And um, no cell phone service on the whole island. No uh, no motorized vehicle. All it is, I mean, it's, it's literally just a national park. Yeah. Um, I think it's the only national park that is totally an island. And, uh, and yeah, we just, we hiked uh, like four days or five days all the way across. It was rugged terrain. 
um, especially because of right now they're not doing a lot of trail maintenance on it. Yeah. And uh, it was myself, my wife, Liz, our uh, 16-year-old daughter, our 17-year-old daughter, Lillian, and our 15-year-old son, Samuel. And, um, and they were troopers. They went all the way across. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was just waiting. I think it definitely broke my daughter and my son down a little bit, uh, <laughs> which, which was kind of cool. I, I mean, they're, uh, they got broken down mentally and physically, and uh, neither one of them turned into like snotty teenagers by any uh, stretch of the measure. They were good sports about it. Um, but uh, and, and we've had a great, great memories out of it, but I think one of my uh, most I don't know. One memory that just sticks in my mind is that uh, I think we were like on our third or fourth day and we kept having to do these. Um, we, we would do like 30 minute bouts. I would call them. We do 30 minutes. We take a break, 30 minutes, take a break, 30 minutes, take a break. So we're in the <laughs> in my bouts, right? I tell them it was 30 minutes, but of course I would make them go like 40, or yeah. make them go like 30. <laughs> and I would squeeze a few more minutes in there is what I would do. I think we got to, to like the third or fourth day. We were in this 30 minute bout. And we finished, we sat down, we took a break. And my daughter Lillian said, man, that was a really good bout. And, and we were like, oh, really? Why? What was different? And she goes, that's the first one I haven't cried on. <laughs> and I oh, my God, you cried on every single 30-minute bout that we've done so far? So, uh, I mean, it, it, put, it definitely pushed her, thre- pushed her threshold for sure. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I mean, they're great kids. They they learn a lot about lessons about life and about how to be good men and good women when they get older through all kinds of, of different avenues. Um, personally, for me, the way I learned to become a man was through, like, physical adversity with uh, wrestling all my life. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that was just, uh, I don't know, it, was just, it just taught me a lot about life, about how to deal with adversity, how to set goals. It was all through sports and whatnot. Yeah. So to, to be able to, for me personally and selfishly, to be able to share that avenue of learning with them. And they've learned a lot of other ways, but not necessarily by getting broken down mentally and physically mm-hmm. and having to help them through the whole the whole challenge. Uh, yeah, that's kind of the 10,000 foot view of what yeah. happened. And, uh, and it was awesome. I'll, I'll probably do another trip with them again, but I don't know. I think they'll double check my mileage. And they'll double check my location. Yeah. <laughs> before, uh, before they agree to come along. So like when you first like told them about this idea, what did they think? Cause that's a very odd kind of vacation idea. It was, well, you know, uh, so what happened is my son and I, we've done, we've done like some five days, six day backpacking trips, you know, with all of our, you know, tent gear, food, everything on your back. Yeah. We we've done this like for the past three or four years, we've done like a 40 or 50 mile track. And so I scheduled this track for him and I to do, this was going to be like our annual gig. Yeah. And I scheduled it. I bought the seaplane tickets and then I ran it by him and he, and he said he didn't want to go. So I was all bummed out. I'm like, man, I already paid for these seed plane tickets. They're, they're non-refundable. So I asked my daughter, Lillian, if she wanted to go. And, and she was like, and I warned her. I said, I said, hon, this is going to be a tough track. Like, it'll be, you know, we're going to have to really dig in and get after this. And she said, yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun, Dad. I'd like to try it. So uh, then I told my son, Sam, that it's going to be Lillian and I. And then, of course, now he wants it because his sister's going, right? Yeah, yeah. He, he doesn't want to be left out. <laughs> yeah. So he said, so he says, I'm in. And then my wife, Liz, she's standing right there. And her and I actually made this track. We did this track. Um, gosh, I think we were, I mean, it had to have been like 17, 18 years ago. We did this oh, wow. track. Yeah. Right when we got married, we did this track. And um, 
and she and she said, well, if Lillian and Sam are going, I want to go. <laughs> so the next thing you know, now we have the whole seaplane to ourselves. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. you like literally had to. Uh, uh, so I, I called up. I got. I, I, I booked the other two, and and uh, I mean, if I would have known. If I if I would have known I was just booking for Lillian, I probably would have done something a little bit easier. Uh, but to, in all honesty, though, the uh, you know during the quarantine, the national parks they were they they were all booked up. They I mean they were they were flooded, they were crowded yeah. Yeah. Uh, during the quarantine, and and then um, so this was one of the only places where we could actually get reservations, get on the island because it's a pretty remote place. Yeah. I mean, hell, you can only get there from seaplane, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what it yeah. was. So it was a little bit of jealousy, I think, that that, that brought on uh, yeah. <laughs> my wife and my son, Sam. But it was supposed to be just my daughter and I, Lillian. Yeah, that just sounds like yeah. such a cool experience, especially to do like as a family. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it was cool. It was cool. I think, uh, I you know, the first night, can't, uh, the sleeping arrangements were kind of funny. Like we uh, we tested out a hammock, uh, some hammock camping and some tent camping. And on the first night, my wife Liz and I had a tent and then um, – Lillian had a tent and my son Sam slept in the hammock. Mm. And then the second night there was no hammocks allowed because there just wasn't a good place to put a hammock up. Mm. So Lillian, my daughter Lillian and my son Sam had to share a tent and it was kind of cool because we could hear them all night chit chatting. And, uh, you know, they don't have a lot of conversations like that left, Mm -hmm. uh, to to be in the woods in a tent, just, Mm -hmm. just, uh, talking about things like a brother and sister would. And when Liz and I kind of got to eavesdrop a little bit on it because we were in the tent next to them. Yeah. And then the last two nights, Isle Royale has these lean twos, which is basically like, a, I don't know if you could picture like a, a maybe like a little oversized shed. Um, but the front of it is all screen and it has like a good door on it that opens. And essentially we didn't sleep in a tent for the last two nights. All we did was put our sleeping pads and our sleeping bags on the um on in the in the shelter if you will and we just all slept in this big room is what we did so uh so every night was kind of a different way to uh i don't know just to bond and yeah yeah uh, i mean chat while you're out there in the wilderness yeah what sticks out to me is like the bonding as a family but also just unplugging you know from the world and from technology and just kind of getting away that's super cool oh my gosh i know and you know i'm a it's crazy because they were stressful days um, they were stressful days. I, I mean, I, I was definitely worried about my daughter. I wanted to make sure everything was good for her. I was always looking after her. I was pumping her. I was doing the water for the whole family, yeah. cooking. I, I was kind of like having to do a lot of the chores. And we were also hiking quite a bit. I mean, we did like 12 or 13 mile days. Um, so it, they were definitely stressful and they were a lot of work. We were working hard. And I, I always, I wear, I, I always like to get the, the feedback from stuff. So yeah. I, I'm a fan of the, of the whoop. And I wear this whoop. And what's crazy is the whole time, even though I was definitely stressed, we were definitely working, um, like my recovery, like this, so that, you know, I don't know how familiar you are with it, but it, it puts it through all your metrics through a, uh, algorithm. Right okay. <laughs> and then it tells you you're, you're this recovery yeah. is what it comes up with. And like every single day while I was out there unconnected, like you said, unconnected from all this other jazz my recovery was like 95 to 100% every day I was yeah. in the green. I mean, my, my, my data was telling me you are good to go. And then like, I've never been able to recreate that in huh. the rat, in, in the, in the rat race, yeah. <laughs> you know, like going to, going to work. And I, not that I feel crazy stressed, but it definitely shows you how you handle stress. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think just, it was a different kind of stress where you're being a caregiver 
for your family out there and you're in the woods and you're breathing that fresh air and what it does for your biometrics is pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, yeah. It's awesome. So switching gears a little bit, you mentioned wrestling. Um, when and how did you get into wrestling? And then I understand you went on and wrestled in college at Michigan. So how did that all come to be? Yeah. Yeah. I started wrestling, um, when I was in third grade, I started wrestling and, Jeez. um, I started wrestling in third grade. My, my, uh, my mother took me to my first wrestling practice and I was shy and scared and, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and I wouldn't wrestle with anybody. So she actually had to come out onto the wrestling mat with me. And she was my first, she taught me my first wrestling move just by copying the coaches. I, I wouldn't wrestle the kids. Yeah. I was so nervous and, and, I, and I was so shy and introverted. Um, so I started wrestling in third grade and, um, and wrestled all the way through high school in, um, in the state of Michigan. And then after that, um, I really, it was definitely a goal of mine to wrestle in college. Um, and, uh, I, I, I left, uh, from high school, I went on to college. I wrestled at the university of Michigan. Um, I was there for five years. Um, and, uh, and yeah, that was, um, that was that was something that I will always remember is wrestling for the University of Michigan. Um, it was five years there. I was captain of the team. Um, I was an NCAA qualifier and uh, made some bonds and some friendships that will last forever. And uh, kind of like I was saying earlier, um, pretty much everything I learned about how to be an adult, um, hard work, setting goals, adversity, um, um, all the all the qualities that are necessary, um, caring for others, being a team player. Um, they all came from that wrestling environment mm-hmm. um, is pretty much where they came from. And, um, and so, yeah, so now I'm just a washed up has been, and um, <laughs> I get on the mat once in a while. I oh, don't yeah? get on the mat too often anymore. Uh, my son is, uh, has, has been dabbling in and out of wrestling uh, uh, now that he's a teenager. So sometimes I get back out there and roll and um, it's definitely a little bit of an awakening to wake up to those, that musculature. Yeah. But I, I ultimately think that's kind of what led me to CrossFit was, um, you know, when I was done wrestling, I didn't know, I didn't think my body could handle the wear and tear. I enjoyed the physical challenge of wrestling, but my body couldn't handle the wear and tear of getting grinded on the neck and, 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 and joints getting put in peculiar positions. Uh, and then, um, then I found CrossFit where I was able to get that heart, that great workout in that is a very similar experience to a wrestling practice. I mean, we're always switching the time domains. We're always switching the, we're, we're always switching things up in, in wrestling. So that way your body is ready for anything. And that, that same principle existing with constant variance and CrossFit. Um, I, I, but, but just in a little bit of a safer manner, right? Like the barbell is not going to grab my head and, and, and twist it one way. I can yeah. be in a little bit more control. And um, ultimately, I think that uh, that long experience in wrestling is what led me to uh, to have such a, a, a profound love for the methodology of CrossFit for fitness. And like some of the stuff that you like worked on and picked up on in wrestling that help you in CrossFit, like physically and mentally. Uh, yeah, for sure. Like I'll, I'll t- like the first time I when I did my L one, I did my L one in um, two thousand seven. It was one of the last L ones that. Uh, uh, Greg Glassman uh, lectured at. It was in Toronto, and um, and all the OGs were at that that one. I mean, uh, Pat Sherwood was there, Dave was there, Nicole was there, um, Eva T was there. The, the the list goes. Greg Amundsen was there. The list goes on and on. But I, I specifically remember in that seminar um, hearing Greg Glassman talk about core to extremity, and um, 
And then, and then as he explained it, you know, he explained it as, as a baseball throw, um, opening up from the hip and then, and then eventually getting uh, the, the, the power and speed out to your fingertips. I was immediately able to relate so many wrestling maneuvers to that, where you start with your hip. It all starts at the hip and then you do something with your upper body or it starts at the hip and then you do something with your legs. And right when he said that, it was kind of like an aha moment. And then if in, in, in a lot of wrestling, a lot of times you just, you have to be explosive, but you have to be patient about when you need to be explosive. Okay. And, um, and that would like the perfect example of that would be like a thruster. Like you have to be explosive in a thruster, but you do have to display a little bit of patience, right? You have to wait till that bar heaves off your shoulders mm -hmm. before you engage in that press if you really want to be efficient at it. And um, so once I started to rec recognize that core to extremity characteristic, that helped. And then, um, you, know, the rest, you know, wrestling matches are you know, six minutes long in high school, um, seven minutes long in college. And, um, and that's a great, that's a, that's a great CrossFit time domain, right? That's mm -hmm. that five yeah. to 10 minute domain. Um, and then, you know, we would have, we would have, so we would have wrestling practices where we would have like a, you know, like a match, which would be five or five, six, seven minutes long. Um, we would have some, we would call them, you know, we, we, we would have longer bouts where we would do 10 or 15 minutes. Um, we would do one minute on one minute off goes, we would do, we would do grinds. Like a grind would be just a, a 60 minute wrestling match, almost like a Murph, just like 60 minutes of grinding with one person the whole time. And, um, and yeah, so the time domains all over the place. Uh, and then, uh, and then, and then those, you know, those time domains alone that they, they kind of demand a little bit more, uh, mentally out of you. Yeah. Uh, um, while, you know, just, if you're going to be in that five or six area uh, minute area, you've got, you've got to really be ready to, to just give it everything you've got for five or six minutes and then just be sizzling like a piece of bacon when you're done. And then the other portion, the 60 minute grind is, is obviously going to be something where you're going to be operating at a little bit lower power output for a long period of time. And uh, so, yeah, I would totally, I, I totally think that wrestlers, wrestlers and CrossFitters are a good fit. Hmm. They, that wrestlers make an easy transition and um and i when i was a wrestling coach um for quite a while uh, after i was done with college i was a school teacher and um and that like crossfit methodology when i found crossfit it was the ultimate tool for uh, uh strength and conditioning for my wrestlers it prepared them um like no other uh methodology i i had um seen before yeah man wrestlers are a different breed i remember in high school like those guys like when they'd be cutting weight and just how just intense it was and you know morning training night training it was just it was crazy to watch back then they are they're kind of like like crossfitters right they're kind of like the mm -hmm. wrestlers were always the misfits yeah of, of the high school for some reason yeah. they were kind of the misfits, misfits of the athletic community no doubt about it crossfitters are like the misfits of the fitness community is yeah. is Kind of how we're viewed. <laughs> yeah, because like I had a buddy who he'd be like, it'd be the day of a meet or the day before a meet, and he'd be spitting in a bottle and like doing all this stuff to try and lose weight. And meanwhile, we're over here playing football, you know, trying to eat as much as we can, you know, gain as much weight. So it's just super funny to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely odd. <laughs> <laughs> so then, when exactly did you find CrossFit? Yeah, I found CrossFit in like just a few months before I did that L one in two thousand seven. So you were I hooked then right away. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was, I was in the high, I was, I was a high school teacher. I was running around the weight room at the high school, like a chicken with my head cut off. Um, 
on the treadmill over there doing some butterflies, running yeah. over to the bicep, you know, doing bicep <laughs> curls, lap pull downs, running back over to the uh, treadmill. And uh, one of my buddies, fellow teacher, he came up to me and said, hey, are you doing CrossFit right now? And, um, and I was kind of just in my zone in the middle of my workout. And I was like, nope. And I just kind of brushed it off and ignored him and finished my workout. And for some reason that night, um, I just started thinking, I was like, what did he say? You know, what was that word that he asked me that I was doing? And then I remembered the word CrossFit. Um, I came home that night and, um, I, 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 so I Googled it, I looked it up and, uh, I don't know if you remember the old, like the old crossfit.com website, which was like, uh, just very, very rudimentary, <laughs> yeah, okay. uh, uh, set up and, and the workout that was posted was the workout Helen posted. So the next day I grabbed one of my wrestlers who ironically enough is a CrossFitter today. Okay. Um, I grabbed one of these, one of my wrestlers out of the, um, after school told them to come, it was off season. So I said, come to the, uh, let's go. We went to the weight room. We grabbed a 50 pound dumbbell because we didn't have kettlebells. Mm-hmm. We took that 50 pound dumbbell down to the running track um, outside. So we ran the 400 meter sprint on the running track. We did our fit, uh, 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 21 dumbbell swings. Yeah. With, uh, who, who knows what they look like? I can't imagine what they look like. I didn't know what <laughs> I was um, and, and neither did he obviously. And then uh, we did the pull-ups like on the I-beam underneath of the bleachers okay. of the, of the football stands that are on the side of the track. So, I mean, they were like, you know, they were fingertip pull-ups yeah. and they were, they were probably like that range of motion right there that I'm showing you for it. <laughs> and, and, and we were done quick, you know, we were done in about like less than 10 minutes because our pull-ups were like that. And I don't even know what our, uh, uh, probably the only thing that was legit range of motion was our run. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but we were sizzling like a piece of bacon, totally smoked. And, um, and right away we were like, oh my gosh, we got to start doing this with our team. Our team has to do this. It felt just like a wrestling match. Um, where, you know, you your, your lungs are confused because they had to expand so quickly. Um, every piece of your body, you got that systemic response going on. Um, and, uh, yeah, so started doing CrossFit and really just followed.com. Um, like a lot of new CrossFitters, I skipped all of the heavy days. Um, I just skipped, just uh, I didn't like yeah didn't like heavy days. I didn't, I just didn't think I was going to get, you know, in, in my mind, in order for me to get a, a good workout mm-hmm. in, I had to be sizzling like a piece of bacon on the ground yeah. when I was done. Didn't understand a heavy day in, in its entirety. And, um, and then, um, and then just started doing it with my team. And then eventually, like I said, went to that L1. Yeah. Those are some of my favorite stories when it's just like, you, you will go to like a track with friends, don't know what you're doing and you just do a crossover workout. And for some reason you're hooked. It's crazy. I know it. I know. And you know, you know, one common theme that, you know, what's really interesting that, that if you, if we all think back to it, that CrossFit workout that we got hooked on mm-hmm. that single one, which everybody can remember, we did not pace that workout. We, <laughs> we just came in and we laid it down yep. and went as hard as we could. And we fell in love with the methodology. And then it's like, after that first one, you pace them from now on. Is what, yeah. what you're, I mean, like, it, was, is, 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 it doesn't make sense, you know? So I always have to remind that you always have to remind people, like, don't pace this workout. I got to remind myself, 
bring the heat on this workout right now. (laughs) Now, so you were a high school, you were a wrestling coach and a teacher. So when you went to this L1, did you go there with the thought of being a CrossFit coach or did you just go there because you wanted to learn more about CrossFit? Uh, well, I went there because the game plan was to the game plan was to um, administer to just learn about the CrossFit methodology because I wanted to use it as the strength and conditioning for my wrestling team specifically um, is is why I went and um, so I went and did it and then I came back and um, and then I started doing the CrossFit with uh, so I started I, I I did it with my team and then afterwards I started doing it with my team in the off season. And all the other teams started to uh, started to join us, mm. um, and it was a really cool experience. Like the basketball team, I mean, come on, like the basketball team and wrestling team working out together, slapping high fives. Yeah, that's, that's not normal. Yeah, that's kind of right? weird. <laughs> yeah, and then all of a sudden the volleyball team joined up, and then all of a sudden the football players started to come in, and then um, and then all of a sudden we had the secretaries wanted in, and some of the other teachers wanted in. And then the principals were coming in. And then even, even the kids who had discipline problems and they might have had detention, they were given, eventually were given permission to do CrossFit instead of go to detention. Really? Is what they were. Yeah, it was an amazing, like we had, we had, uh, uh, there were multiple times uh, where we had over 100 kids and, and teachers and, 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 um, and secretaries. Uh, all uh, all different walks of life, slapping high fives. It was one of the coolest experiences um, to be in that environment. And um, and then at the end of the year, I went to the athletic director and um, said, uh, "Hey, you know, so obviously you guys like this stuff that we're doing. Um, I learned it all from the L one, and um, at, and then there was a there was an L two at the time." Um, this is a long time. This is not even the L2 that's recognized today. Um, their L2 just didn't come online. And I, so I asked them, I said, Hey Dan, can I attend this, this other seminar? Maybe I'll get better at coaching it. Yeah. <laughs> obviously got hundreds of people doing it. So let's give me a shot. So they sent me to the L2. And when I went to the L2, it was a different environment. It was a different environment back then. It was basically you taught all weekend. You kept teaching and then you were, um, at the end, you were brought into a room, and in my particular experience, I was brought into a room with uh, Adrian Bosman, uh, Nicole Carroll, Dave Castro, and Pat Sherwood. It was at Virginia Beach. It was at CrossFit Virginia Beach, and basically, at the end of this weekend, you would sit down in a one-on-one with these three or four people on the other side of you, and they would tell you if you passed or failed the experience. Uh, based on uh, what their observations for the weekend about how you coached and there were lectures involved, but a lot of it was just kind of, you know, just, just evaluating what we were like as a coach. And, um, I remember waiting and, you know, people would be leaving the room and they would be, you know, in crying or they would be in tears. <laughs> yeah. Some people wouldn't be that way. And then, um, and then just being totally on edge when you would sit down and just find, and they would tell you, they would do a great job of telling you objectively why you're, why, where, where you needed to improve upon what you did well. And, um, and then I came back from, and then I started, and then while I was in that meeting with them, I asked them, I said, Hey, I, I really think what you guys do is cool. Um, is there anything, you know, could I help out? Do you guys need help? Um, Cause I passed, they, obviously they told me I passed yeah. and uh, I was fortunate to be one of the few people that did pass. 
And, um, and so I asked them and they, um, and they said, yeah, we've got a, this was in Virginia beach. They said, we've got a, we got a seminar coming up in Ann Arbor, Michigan, which is a, about uh, an hour drive from me here. Um, and uh, we got in about five or six months, they had a seminar coming up and they said, give us your contact info. We will get in touch with you. We'll have, we'll, we'll, come, we'll, we'll see what you got. We'll let you come out to the seminar, kind of like an internship. And uh, by the way, if anybody is listening to this right now, uh, this is not, this is like the wild, wild west. This is not how you get on staff. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, now, this yeah. is the wild west back then. <laughs> and, um, so six months went by from that L2 and uh, six months went by and uh, the, the, the seminar in Ann Arbor was coming up. And uh, it was at uh, Hyperfit USA, Doug Chapman's gym. And, um, and I never heard from them. So, uh, and, and I was just waiting and waiting and I never heard. So finally I reached out to Doug and I said, hey, when are they showing up? And he said, they'll be there at 8 a.m. on Saturday for their meeting. So my wife thought I was crazy. Yeah. I, I drove out there. She said, wait, you're just going to drive. You're just going to show up. They haven't even contacted you. And you're just going to show up. I said, yeah, I'm just going to show up because I really like this CrossFit stuff and I want to be involved with it. And I drove out to Ann Arbor. It was 8 a.m. for their meeting. I walked in and Dave Castro looked at me like I had three heads. And he's like, who the hell are you? And why are you in our meeting right now? And I had to, and I kind of refreshed his memory. Hey, my name's Joe. Uh, I was with you like six months ago in Virginia Beach. You told me to come by. I never heard from you. I'm sorry if I'm intruding right now. And he said, oh, yeah, I do remember you. And he said, well, you are in luck because we had one of our trainers miss their flight. So we're going to have you coach group two is what he told me. Oh, geez. And, and <laughs> since then, I have been on staff since then. <laughs> so, so he just threw you into it. He threw me right into it. And then um, and I think what it did, though, is I th- I'm pretty sure that me showing up allowed for Dave, if I remember correctly, that allowed for Dave to float. Otherwise, Dave was going to be coaching a group, but now he could float and watch groups. So essentially, he, he, he threw me into group two, and then he watched me like a hawk all weekend um, to see how I was doing. And I'm sure he had a, you know, just like the, like the, like the classic cartoon where the, you know, the, somebody's up on stage and a cane grabs him by the neck and whips him <laughs> off the stage. I'm sure he was ready to whip me off the stage yeah. at any point. Uh, but he let me finish, and, um, and, then, uh, from, and then they said, hey, would you like to work in Maine next week? So the next week I drew, I was, I was in Maine uh, helping out with the seminar. Um, yeah. So it's kind of an ironic story about how that all transpired. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's, and now, and now that L2, that L2 was only online for about like six or seven months. And they took it offline because they had a, 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 a pretty big fail rate. Mm. And then um, they never brought it back online. They changed it into a coach's prep course is what it was called for years. And then they changed it from coach's prep course to L2. And then they introduced the L3 certification and the L4, which has not been released yet. From what I understand, it was on the verge of being released before the pandemic. Okay. The L4 now is what I experienced in Virginia beach, that original L2, which if I'm not mistaken, only like 150 people got a chance to even do it. Okay. back then so that is going to be the l4 once it comes back online like that's my l4 credential 
that I mean, talk about pressure. I mean, from the beginning, I mean, just like going into that room and they're like, you pass or you fail, and just like the people that are in that room. I mean, I don't know if it was like that back then, but looking back now, like Dave, Nicole, Pat Sherwood, it's just like talk about oh, pressure. Yeah. They, they made, and they. <laughs> I mean, the first question. I'll never forget the first question. How do you think you did? And you want to be. I mean, you want to say you did well. You want to be humble, but you don't yeah. want to act. You don't have any confidence. Yeah. Right. So it was a tricky. It was a. It was. It was a well-worded question. Uh, and uh, and then they definitely like they like I said they definitely let you know like you were good. You know you did better than most people here this weekend. Um, you passed. Um, but everybody I talked to from that seminar or anybody I talked to that passed that L two, which it was. Um, they, everybody passed by the skin of their teeth. Mm. Nobody was given, nobody was like, Oh my gosh, you were amazing. And then like, celebration. <laughs> it was all like, yeah, you got by, by the skin of your teeth and, uh, you better pick your game up. Otherwise your skill set's going to diminish and you won't be this, but you know, I mean, yeah. definitely, uh, the pressure was on. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I can just see like from what I've seen and heard about Dave Castro, like he doesn't have a problem being brutally honest with anyone. Oh gosh, no, no. <laughs> and he likes to ask questions that will the way he words questions will derive the, the mm. honesty out of you. There's no dodging or his questions. Yeah. They're not vague. They're right to the point. We're like, okay, we are gonna be totally honest about this right now. Oh. Yeah. So then after that, how long was it until you opened CrossFit eight one zero? Yeah, I was uh so I was still teaching. Um I was still teaching and I was running this uh, nonprofit affiliate at that school that I was at. And, um, I don't know, you know, I, I mean, I love teaching. I, yeah. I really did. I liked it. I was a phys ed teacher. I really enjoyed it. Um, but I was just, I mean, I had been doing it for about 12 years. Um, and I was just kind of ready for a new chapter. Um, it was scary. Uh, because teaching is a job, obviously, that you can make a career out of. I was mm-hmm. in a position where I could just make a career out of being a phys ed teacher and, um, and a wrestling coach. And there would have been nothing wrong with that. Um, but I was, I don't know, I just felt this urge for a new chapter. I was, I was you know, I was going and seeing these affiliates. I was doing the, um, the, the L1s on the weekend. And I was kind of learning about affiliates and how they work. And I was watching how the affiliates operate. And I was thinking, man, this would just be a really cool thing to have my own. And I started getting more inspired and more inspired. And eventually, I, uh, I just decided to retire from teaching. And I took a leap of faith. I opened up my own affiliate, 810 CrossFit. I think we opened up in 2010. So that was about two year, about a year and a half or two after being on staff. Um, and, uh, and it started off in my garage. We started in my garage. I love that. Um, yeah. Those are the best when they start in the garage. Those are my favorite. Yeah, you don't hear about that much often yeah. anymore. It <laughs> no. sounds like you know, just like the Taj Mahal gets built. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, and wait for people to show up. But we did. We started in my garage. I was really insecure about it. Um, you know, like people would knock three times on the garage door, and that was my cue to open it up. Um, <laughs> I, I, I had one, my wife's best friend was really passionate about fitness. So I begged her to be my guinea pig. Um, I trained her uh, for free. And then what the exchange was, is that whenever somebody would inquire and want to come to try CrossFit out, they had to come to my garage, right? And I didn't, I didn't want it to be weird. I didn't want like just a person to show up in this guy's garage. And yeah. Just and I'm just, it's just me and this person. Um, so the deal was, Rachel was her name. I would tell Rachel, hey, um, I've got this person. You know, Connor is interested in 
coming in at 5.30 to try the class out. And uh, can you be there and act like you're the normal 5.30 class? Yeah. <laughs> and she would. She was a great sport. She would show up, and, and she actually became a coach for us. And uh, she's still a coach for us today, Rachel is. Oh, wow. um, but it started off like that. We were in my garage for about three months, four months. Um, I built up enough revenue stream of recurring memberships to um, to, to get a place. Um, so we got a place. We were there for about four or five years. Then we left, and now we've been in our current location for about four or five years. So obviously when you go like across the country, across the world, all different CrossFit boxes are different. Like you no, know, no two really are the same. When you opened and when you started, what kind of like culture, what kind of place did you want it to be for people? Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Um, uh, well, you know, first of all, for me, um, I definitely wanted this. Yeah, I definitely wanted to create like a sanctuary type place, a play, an escape place where people yeah. could come. They could. I realized how busy people's lives are. Right. I mean, I, I can't remember the last time that I've talked to somebody and asked them, you know, just how they're doing or like, you always hear like, Oh my gosh, I'm so busy. This, yeah. this, this kids work. And very seldom do you ever ask somebody how things are going? You're like, yeah, things are pretty calm. Things are pretty calm. Not a lot of that's going on. Like everybody's busy beyond their mind. And I just wanted to create a safe place where people could kind of fit and still have that social experience that we all long for. I guess, um, I would almost compare it to like the sitcom Cheers, um, but with fitness um, and not necessarily without beer because we would still have the beer yeah. on the weekends. We, you know, that would still be a, it was kind of like Cheers, but, but, but with exercise involved yeah. uh, is what it was. And um, definitely uh, like that was a big deal to me. Um, I've always, with classrooms as a teacher, I've always been a real big fan of the flow of a classroom. Um, like when you come into a classroom, it, I always think it's real important. You'll, you'll notice this, that even like elementary teachers, like their, their, their class will kind of rotate between pieces of their, of their little tiny classroom. They'll all come, the kids will sit on the carpet over here and then they'll all come over here for this. And then they'll all come over. There's like a flow mm -hmm. to the, uh, to the classroom. And I've always been a big fan of like a flow to the gym. So organization has always been like a huge thing for me with my gym. I will, I will look at my gym and I will reorganize it. Um, just like some, you know, some people are a little anal about the way they organize the family room. Maybe they reorganize their family room to try to get that flow or that fun shui. Mm -hmm. um, so organization and, and just making a logical flow to the gym um, because I want to make it efficient for people. I want it to be very, very efficient because the kudos to them, right? They're, they're getting, they're, they're giving one hour of their day, one hour they have budgeted to knock out their fitness and to knock out their social life essentially um, in that one hour. So when they come in, I just want it to be like a very organic process. Oh my gosh, why wouldn't I grab a barbell? It's right here. Oh my gosh, why wouldn't I put a plate on it? The plates are right here. Why wouldn't I do a pull up bar right now? Like the way the, the not only the, the, the way the classroom is set up, but the group management that goes into it. Um, that and then, um, and then just making sure that, you know, to, to get that culture the way you want it, you kind of have to, Definitely lead by example, and you have to um, you have to coach people how to be, right? You have to coach people not to be too cool for school and throw their backpack on after the workout's over and walk out the door. You have yeah. to coach them and teach them how to cheer other people on. Mm -hmm. um, you have to uh, coach people and uh, um, 
and, and teach people how to not start racking their weights and walking through the line of action where somebody is some poor comrade is still, um, is still the suffering through the workout. Mm-hmm. Um, and that person's just, you know, they're, they're suffering through the workout with these cleans or whatever. And they're looking at this, they're just they're like, Oh my gosh, that person's done. I'm a piece of junk. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so these little things of uh, leading by example and then, and then cultivating that culture, like that support, that support network that you want it to all be. Because I think, you know, the fitness industry lends itself. If you just come into a CrossFit gym and you've been going to a global gym all your life, you don't understand that culture. You don't understand how to cheer that last person on. Um, you, you don't understand a lot of the gym etiquette that is in a CrossFit gym. So constantly educating. Um, and I still even find myself today saying the same stuff that I would say, you know, you know 10 years ago because we have new members. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and they just have to be brought up to speed. On your website, like the cross, in your bio, it says you start out by saying being fit and healthy is hard, period. First off, why do you think that is today? And then what do you think can kind of be done about that to make it a little easier? Yeah, I like it. Um, well, well, it's I'm a bold, to... it's a bold statement. When I read it, I was like, being fit and healthy is hard, period. I was like, okay. Well, I think, I, I guess, you know, thinking about that statement, I, I guess, I'm just trying to appeal to people who, right? They, I mean, it is it, it is hard to show up and to do that one hour of the day. Yeah. And and then you got to figure out what the hell you're gonna do for that one hour, or when you go to the gym, mm-hmm. um, to just figure out what you're going to do, the intensity that it involves to get results, mm-hmm. um, is just huge. I mean, there's a reason why. You know, chronic diseases are just flooding Western civilization right now, uh, and it's because it's hard, and, and it's out of the skill set of a lot of people to be able to balance. So I do want people when they when they read my website, I want them to be like, yeah, it is hard. That's why that's why I need to basically contract this out. I need to contract out my fitness. I need somebody who can um, who can help me with this right now, and. Um, to be honest with you, I, you know, the, the, the second part of your question is what do we do to fix that? And I, I kind of see right now a, um, right now I feel like I'm witnessing, and I don't know what it's like out in Colorado with you, but I, I feel like I'm witnessing a newfound respect for like boutique style gyms. And I think definitely CrossFit gyms fall into that category. Um, but even other small boutique style gyms of studios of different methodologies, I'm starting to notice that people, everybody, you know, all these people, everybody put on 15 pounds during the quarantine. Um, people are not, they, they weren't happy with their fitness and their health beforehand. Um, now it's even escalated a little bit. And then they're just really recognizing like I need, just like I need to go see a doctor to take care of things. I, I just like, I need to go see somebody for other reasons. There like, it's, it's a very appropriate thing to have a coach. And I, so I, again, another reason I bring that, you know, being fit is hard and I get really right to the point is um, I think all too often there is a, a, a pretty large camp of people that believe they can get fit just by going up to the global gym and, wandering around like a Neanderthal for an hour and not really having any rhyme or reason to what they're doing. Um, and, and, and I'm trying to appeal to get people to understand, like, have a coach, have somebody that can, that can guide you through this experience. Mm-hmm. 
and um, yeah, so that's how I think it can be handled. I think, I think um, just more, more boutique style gyms, yep. and the more the merrier. You know, I've always believed that um, hell, there's enough people to go around for boutique style gyms. Yeah. We don't have to worry. I know people have always kind of had a beef about a CrossFit gym being down the road from them. Um, but, uh, but really, I mean, if you think about the amount of people in that city and the amount of people that really truly do need fitness, I can tell you right now, like I can't handle all the people in my city. If all the people in my city wanted to sign up yeah. to be a CrossFitter, I wouldn't be able to handle the influx. I'd just be overwhelmed. I couldn't do it. So, yeah. I, mean, you, I mean, we need more boutique style gyms with people who are passionate, people who care about other people and want to be of service to other people and to make it the best hour of their day. Um, yeah, so that's why I say it, and that's why, uh, and that's how I think it can be solved. It's just by getting the belief that that is, you know, that belief. I think that belief exists in other cultures too. I mm -hmm. think it exists a lot more in Europe. It certainly exists a lot more in South America, where um, you know people are either. It's very, very. It's a lot more common, I think, to be a member of a boutique style gym, and it's a lot more common to have a personal trainer, yeah. um, if you will, uh, uh, as well. And, and, and a little bit less, it, it seems more widely accepted, definitely in my area, to just like get a $25 a month membership at the 24-7 gym. And that's that's how you'll solve your fitness. But it's not quite the case. Yeah, what I think is kind of scary is just like the culture, our culture is how like everybody wants everything quick and easy and now. And nobody really wants to unplug. Nobody wants to, you know, nobody wants to do, everybody wants the 30-minute abs or whatever the 10 minute abs you know so i think that's just a that's a problem you know just like the culture of everything now 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 nobody wants to put in the work for later no doubt about it i totally i totally agree yeah and um and then and then also they, they want it within a uh, you know within a month right yeah. they've, been, they've been sedentary for you know 22 years yeah exactly <laughs> you know they've been with your gym for a month and yeah. they, they, they joined the they joined Planet Fitness for sixteen dollars a month, and yeah. they expect it to happen right away. You have to undo twenty-two years yeah. of being uh, sedentary uh, yeah. before we get those results you're looking for. <laughs> so, um, just a couple of last things. I just wanted to ask you about. So, like, you've been a teacher and you've been a coach pretty much all your life. Do you just? I mean, those are those are pretty similar things. Do you just love to like kind of teach people and help people along? Yeah, I do. I do love what I do. I really do. I love what I do. Um, I. I think I learned, um, well, I watched my father, my father, uh, was my wrestling coach all growing up. And I basically just watched him be a coach and I watched mm -hmm. him inspire people. I watched him get the most out of people when people didn't think they could do something. Um, and I always thought that was just kind of cool. Um, and, uh, so I just, that's why I decided to be a teacher. And then after I became a teacher, um, it's kind of a natural, organic progression to keep going back to school as a teacher, and you get your you get your masters, and then you get your ed specialist, and you yeah. get your doctorate. And, and and after you're a teacher, you basically like those those other degrees give you the skill set and the credential to be an administrator. Where now you are um, kind of out of the trenches, if you will. Mm -hmm. And um, and the more I I, I the more I did that kind of work, I just realized I didn't, I didn't like being out of the trenches. I, I do enjoy being in the trenches. I do enjoy having my classroom. I do enjoy being hands-on with people. Um, and then, um, so as I was looking at the next steps in my teaching 
progression. I was like, I think I just want to be a teacher. I don't want to go on to those. I don't want to be a principal. I don't want to be an athletic director. I want to be the one coaching. I want to have the, uh, be there. And, um, and then even, I can even say like even leaving there and, and opening up my own gym, I've even gone through phases where like, I remember a, a really good business owner told me early on in my business that um, if you want to make sure you're uh, a good litmus test is if you were theoretically, if you were to get hit by a bus tomorrow, would your business still be able to run itself without you? And I took that really to heart and I kind of built myself out of my schedule. So that way, in case I ever got hit by a bus, like this mm-hmm. thing would keep operating. Yeah. And I wasn't in the trenches anymore. I was just opera. I was like pulling puppet strings from above is what I was doing. And, um, and I didn't like it. I didn't like how it felt. Um, and then, uh, um, and even so like, um, yeah, just, uh, so, uh, so I, I, as I, as I look at, I'm always tempted by that fruit, if you will, or that cheese for the mouse to, mm-hmm. uh, go to the next step, like the management type step. Um, but no, I always end up backing up and being like, no, nah, I'm in the, in the trenches guy. And that's yeah. just kind of what I want to do right now. Yeah. So I do. I love it. I love working with other people. And, um, and I also love, I also, though, I really do enjoy and have a true passion a a, a real passion for me is actually teaching other people how to inspire others like i like i like i really do enjoy coaching coaches i really really do i love i love the l1 and the l2 and the kids seminars for crossfit i love just getting to hear people ask me with passion about this, you know, endeavor that they're about to go on and tell me things about what they're excited about and then share with them experiences and, um, and, and kind of bring them up to speed on, 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 on not falling for some of the pitfalls that I might've fell for. Um, I really do enjoy, so I enjoy both. I enjoy coaching people in the trenches, but I also, I don't, I don't enjoy the paperwork part, the admin part, but I do enjoy coaching coaches like in those L1s and L2s. Yeah. I, uh, those weekends go so fast for me. I absolutely enjoy them. Real quick as we wrap up, I got a couple here to put you on the spot. Is that all right with you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what would you I'll just uh, the fifth if I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what would you say are the three like driving or biggest driving or motivating factors for you in your life personally? Yeah. Yeah, you did want to put me on the spot, didn't you? <laughs> uh, uh, no doubt about it that um, definitely I, I, at the number one, is going to have to be uh, just to, I, the the best the best husband and the best father uh, that I could be. Um, I just I really want to make sure and and not just especially for these kids. I've got four kids. I've got two and a half grandchildren. Um, not just now. Not just now. While they're while while they might be like after they after they're gone. Yeah. I still want to I still want to make sure that I am. Uh, I mean, I would like to, uh, I would like to just be that safe place where, you know, the, the grandkids want to go to Pappy's house and, uh, Pappy's always there. Pappy, Pappy will, Pappy will be there. He's not going to be too busy. Um, and, and, and he'll always have my back if I need something. Um, I want to be, uh, I want to set myself up for life to where if, you know, where Liz and I, we can just be, we can just be old and be great together. And we can just kind of, yeah, that, that it just kind of watch our grandkids come over, um, be there to take them to soccer practice and whatnot. Um, that's kind of the next big uh, 
step is to uh, is to make sure that my kids and, and that I'm a, I'm a good husband and a good father. And then drag them across an island. Yeah, yeah, that's all. <laughs> exactly what, uh, that's where all the good lessons are. are learned. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my daughter Lillian just uh, walked behind the uh, computer uh, oh, yeah. right when you said that. Yeah. And literally looked and rolled her eyes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and. Uh, I guess uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to say that a, a next big driving factor that's really important to me is um, you know I just I, I just I, I want I, I definitely just want to continue to make sure that um, I leave I just I, I just inspire others I I, I really want to make sure that I can make other people better um, on multiple levels whether it's whether it's coming into my gym. And learning, maybe even just just like it doesn't even not that I wanted them to be better at CrossFit, yeah. Uh, but I just want them to maybe at least find. Uh, 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 over the years, we've had a multitude of people who have come in and basically learned the discipline of being fit with my CrossFit gym. But then maybe they found out they weren't passionate about CrossFit in particular. Um, but then I watched them move on, and I watched them become disciplined with their fitness, but just in a different environment. They just, but they learned how to be, they learned the sense of community and they learned the sense of discipline and showing up every day mm-hmm. and having a coach and they found their way about stuff. And then, and then, um, and I'm, and I'm so happy to see that they can just be, you know, uh, that, that they found their way with fitness and then other coaches as well. I, 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 I uh, even, even down to like the, the wrestlers that I used to coach, uh, uh, just, just seeing that they go on to be successful. Um, just making sure that, um, I don't know. I just want to make sure that in the present, when I am right here, when I am with people one-on-one that I am giving, I am being as, as much service to them mm-hmm. so that they can take anything they want, anything they want to take, they can steal from me. Um, they, they can, they can, uh, warp it into their own senses or whatever they need to do, but just so they can be passionate and move on and be better people just because they were around me. Um, that is, uh, that's something that I always, that I always want to make sure is happening. I just want to be yeah. of service to people. Um, so number one is, uh, being a good father, a good, uh, a good husband. Number two, just being a service to people. And I got to say number three is probably just, uh, it's gotta be making sure that, uh, you know, the fitness industry, especially right now oh. is finicky. I mean, the, I mean, it is not, is probably not a desired industry to be in yeah. <laughs> in a world <laughs> pandemic. Yep. Yep. Uh, so, um, uh, so just constantly navigating and just not, not ever really having like a steady stream of income that is, uh, where you like, just making sure I set myself up for success, right? Yeah. Making sure that I set myself up for success for the rest of my life. That um, uh, making sure that my money is in the right places, my finances are in order. Um, making sure that uh, that my wife and I will be able to be that pappy and tutu. That's what my wife calls herself as tutu instead of grandma. <laughs> um, that we will get a chance to be that pappy and tutu because we're not. Um, we're, 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 we're not still in the grind when we're 75 years old, yeah. which is very, very possible. I think for people in the fitness industry, we got to yeah. look after ourselves. We got to make sure that we're putting money away. We got to make sure that we're, we're taking care of other things. Cause if we don't, and we just, we just live in this moment, we don't, 
you know, a lot of times we don't have other contributing things like health insurance. A lot of times we don't have other contributing things like pensions and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so just making sure that we're going to be okay for the rest of our life so we can be that pappy and that tutu that we want to be. Awesome. And then one last thing, do you have any words of wisdom or advice for the listeners out there? Oh my gosh. Well, I guess what, yeah, for sure I do. And, um, I'll bring it up because I noticed that I am the most uh, successful version of myself. I am the most, um, I am the most successful version of myself when I do this, what I'm about to say, and I feel more productive and, um, and, and there's plenty of anecdotal evidence out there to show that it works. And it's really counter. It's the title of your podcast. It's yeah. uh, up before you. It's um, awesome. And, um, and I noticed that when I, uh, when I am disciplined enough, and, and I and I, I have to be honest to say that you know it's every day is a battle. Yep. Uh, when I notice that the, when the very first thing I do in the morning is that I wake up early and I do something for an hour for myself, um, which could be uh, usually for me is just stretching. And while I'm stretching, it's like a little twenty minute stretching routine that's got some um, that's got some uh, activities involved. I do some brain building exercises on my phone. Um, make sure that I don't get on social media and basically it's own your morning, yep. own your morning. Cause I'm not even going to tell you what my routine is because it doesn't matter what my routine is mm-hmm. because everybody's routine has to be their own. And, um, and, and you'll hear it over and over again from the most successful people in the world that, um, that if you want to be successful in the world, you have to own your morning. And I can definitely vouch that when I feel like I'm the most successful version of myself is when I own my morning. So that would be the one thing is come up with some things that are important to you. Um, take an hour, take two hours in the beginning of the day and, um, and be, and, and do it, do that stuff that you say you keep wanting to do, make the habit happen. That's the best answer I've ever gotten to that question. All right. Yeah. <laughs> My and, pleasure. And Joe, where can people find you and find your gym and learn more about you? Yeah, well, we are um, 810 CrossFit. That is the, um, that is a telephone exchange in Flint, Michigan here is 810 um, so we are 810crossfit.com. I am, uh, I am on social media, but I am not a very active participant in social media. Okay, um, yeah. uh, but I, I can be found there if you just do the search. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, but mostly where you can find me is at an L1 or an L2 seminar or at my gym or at my house is where you can normally <laughs> But definitely, I mean, what I do, like if people reach out to me on social media and we, and we, we communicate and whatnot, yeah. but, um, I just try to keep my distance from there. From, yeah, uh, I gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, thanks so much for having me on Connor. Yeah, Joe. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate you making the time. And thank you everyone for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. We'll see you next week for another episode of the up before you podcast. Thank you everyone and have a great day. 